This should be played at high volume. Vickers blocking his teammate. White flag this time. One to go. He's got to block two teammates to win it, though. One and one. He flies way up high and takes the white flag. Welcome to the Pit Stop. My name is Randy Pettit, your host of this racing program, talking grassroots racing across the Carolinas, especially here in the central part of North Carolina, where the open wheel NASCAR type modifieds uh, have long been one of the anchors of summer short track racing. And we have on the program tonight one of the all time greats to suit up in these uh, 600 horsepower beasts. And they've always been one of my favorites because I grew up in the Twin City, the home of the famous Madhouse. And with us tonight is the reigning and 12-time Bowman Gray Stadium champion. And he is um, taken gracious enough to take some time out of his very busy schedule. Uh, he works full-time for Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing. And, of course, when he's not doing that, he's got a family like the rest of us and trying to get that race car ready for Saturday nights at historic Bowman Gray Stadium. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Brown on the program tonight. Tim, welcome to the show. And before I bring you on, I wanted to say I was not there to finish the job in 2022, but you did finish the job in 2022. Uh, you raised that championship trophy for a record 12th time. And this first chance I've had to publicly acknowledge you, congratulate you on your 12th championship. So now that we got that out of the way, uh, 2023 has started out a little better for you. You finally got back in victory lane over at the Madhouse. Two wins so far early in the season, and things are looking pretty good for that 83 car. Yeah, first of all, thank you guys for having me on and uh, appreciate the the shout out there for the championship for last year um man it was a dismal year you know winning the championship basically saved uh saved the season for us uh other than that it wasn't really anything to brag about you know we got a few poles and we ran okay last year but uh definitely not what we're wanting and not what we need and uh definitely not what my owners and sponsors and fans and my family wants to uh you know have a season without winning so but that's behind us um uh done talking about it and yeah know, we, we worked uh man i'm telling you every single day from the time the last race at the stadium when the 150 checkered flag dropped i was here on sunday working on the race car and worked every single day until the season started back on these race cars trying to find where i went wrong what happened um got some new people on board this year uh with new ideas and uh and new thoughts and and new processes uh and come out of the box with i'm telling you the best race car i've ever set in in my entire career is what i'm riding in right now that thing is phenomenal well as we record this program uh the pit stop and by the way thanks to all the folks listening on live local radio and wtob in winston-salem and wcog our sister station over in greensboro and if you happen to catch this on a later podcast or on uh online anywhere we greatly appreciate you listening and hope you'll share our program tim uh as i mentioned as we head into uh, next weekend's activity over at the madhouse you uh are sitting on victory number 96 in main event competition and i know you don't want to talk about 
getting to 100, so I won't. But I do want to talk about the next uh, obstacle standing in your way, and that would be the original Jimmy Johnson out of Walkertown with 98 total victories at the Madhouse. You need two more to tire good buddy Jimmy Johnson of Walkertown. And then one more, and you can say that you are indeed the winningest driver in the history of Bowman Gray Stadium. So we got to give old Jimmy Johnson a shout out here, man. He had quite a career at the Madhouse. You're closing in on his record. You and I were kids growing up over at the famed quarter mile. We both grew up over there together. Did you ever think that you would have as many wins as a guy like Jimmy Johnson? Man, like I, I tell people this all the time. Uh, I, I grew up really poor. Right. And, and never, I never thought I'd ever get the opportunity to race anything, much less to race a modified because they're so expensive. Um, stars aligned. And when I got the opportunity to race, I never dreamed I would ever win a race, not a single race, man. I just wanted to do it, uh, because I grew up around it, right. Going to the stadium, watching my grandpa's cars race and, and things like that. And when I first started racing, Hell, I'd have to borrow money from Alfred Hill to put gas in my hauler to get to the racetrack and then bum tires off of Gary Myers or Junior Miller or Ralph Brinkley or Alfred Hill or somebody just to put on my car so I could go race. And hopefully I'd run good enough and not tear anything up that I could pay Alfred back, put gas in my hauler so I could get back next week. Um, I hear you. And, and, you know, the first couple of years was, was man, it, it was touch and go. And, and I knew um, financially I had no business being there. Uh, but, man down deep in my gut i wanted to do it so i worked really really hard and scraped and scrounged and did everything i could to put cars together and scrape up as much money as i could to to go do it and then well, jim i i uh, i was there later, uh, i was there when you when you first started and I can remember you being in that last four or five rows in the field. And like you said, you were just scrambling to get to the racetrack every week. But all of us that had been around the sport long enough knew this guy's got some talent. Whatever it is, I believe he may have it. And, man, it wasn't long before you proved us all right. Yeah, well, the very first time I ever sat in it, uh, you know, my grandpa was well-known uh, in racing. And the first time I ever drove the thing was at the stadium in one of the Saturday morning practices. And I come in and man, I, I was scared to death. I was nervous. Uh, I didn't want to get in anybody's way. I didn't want to tear up anything. I didn't want to tear up anybody else's race car. And, you know, I come in and, you know, grandpa's grinning and, and I'm like, man, what, what are you grinning about? And he said, you're going to be all right. I was like, I was like two seconds off the pace. He's like, listen to me, you're going to be just fine. Like you got around here. You wasn't erratic. You was smooth. Um, you know, we don't have, you don't have the top of the line car back then. I bought my first race car from Clyde McGlamory with Shannon. McGlamory's I remember day. I bought the car with the motor and all the spare parts he had for $6,500. You know what I mean? And we raced that car for two years. <laughs> so, I remember. Yep. Um, yeah. So that, you know, and, and, and that's what my grandpa kept telling me. He's like, look, you take that car and you learn how to drive and then you work, sell that car and then buy you a nicer car, more up to date car. And then, you know, spend money and get you a better motor and then we'll see where you stack up. Right. So like into my second or third season, um, Bob Nelson had a Troyer car that Bobby Lofton drove that right. Bobby didn't like. 
So I went, worked out a deal with Bob Nelson to buy that car for like $1,500. And then we scrounged up and put parts and pieces on it. And Johnny Gregory um, tore my motor down and made it a little bit better. And dang, if we didn't come out the next year and win four races. You know I remember. I mean? uh, yep. Yep. And, and we, I was like, holy crap. You know, this, this is pretty good. Um, and then, man, I was so fortunate in life to surround myself with the right people. Uh, Norris Roop helped me get funding, you know, years ago. And I've always tried to be um, respectful and try to be, you know, a class act and a role model. And, man, I've been so fortunate to have Bruce Hayes come in my life. Um, you know, had, I've had really, really good sponsors. And now I'm in the best place I've ever been in my life as far as driving for Todd Hunt and Jody Hunt, Jerry Hunt Supercenter, Bruce Hayes, Amanda Fletcher and Chris Fletcher, uh, Sink Tower, Mobile One, Ray Mock Racing, all these people that are supporting me through this endeavor of, of racing. It, dude, I am so blessed. Like, it is absolutely amazing. Every time I come to my shop and walk in and see the equipment that I have, I'm, I'm just so humble and so blown away that I made it from a little kid that grew up in a single wide trailer to having the accomplishments that we have now, man, it's amazing. Like I tear up, you know, just sitting at the kitchen table with the wife and kids. Sometimes I'll just tear up and be like how thankful I am to be where I'm at today. And it's 110% because of the people that I've surrounded myself with. Jim, I, I remember watching you, uh, watching you, you know, come up the ladder at the madhouse. And, you know, my story is very similar. I come from a very poor home. I used to sit on my grandmother's back porch and I can hear the races going on over at Bowman Gray. We didn't have the money to go unless it was ladies night. And uh, I would cry. My grandmother looked at me one day and she said, one day, one day you're going to be right in the middle of it all. And she said that more than once. And of course, those words, uh, were very prophetic and I, I am very, very lucky to have had 15 seasons as the uh, ringmaster of the greatest show around turf, as I like to call it. Well, here we are, um, you know, just a couple more wins to tie Jimmy Johnson. And then of course, I guess the next thing will be looking at a hundred. What I wanted to talk about next, uh, as you're listening to the pit stop, I'm your host, Randy Pettit, Tim Brown, the 12 time Bowman Gray stadium champion with us on the program, brand new pavement over at the madhouse. They kind of, uh, they kind of mucked it up <laughs> in 2022, and it looks like they got it right this year, Tim. What's your take on the new pavement so far, and when are we going to see some 12-second laps in qualifying? Uh, the new pavement is way better. Um, you know, it's smoother. It doesn't have the the humps and bumps and stuff in it that uh, or the whoop de doos or rollers or whatever you want to call them from last year. Uh, so they, they did a great job. Um, I, man, I don't know. Like, I would like to think that uh, – that my car will go in the twelves uh, if if I hit that perfect lap, um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I ran a really really good lap Saturday night, and it was just an 08, right? So uh, when when you get to the thirteen O's, when you get to the thirties, it's hard to get to the twenties. When you get to the twenties, it's hard to get to the teens. When you get to the teens, right. it's hard to get to the O's. Dude, it's really hard to go from the O's to the twelves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but we're we're you know tweaking on the car and fine tuning it, trying to find that little bit of extra speed. The problem is, is we don't want to slow the car down in the race just to make it qualify better, right? So we sit on the pole Saturday night and had a really good car in the race. We've had a good car in the race all year. Um, we have been working on qualifying a little bit, but you got to be real careful that you don't get your car where it qualifies good, but then don't race good. 
right now right. our car is qualifying good and racing good and i'm happy with it so when i say we're fine-tuning it, i mean it's a a click of a shock here or a quarter of a turn here uh it's minute changes that we're making on this thing right now and hope to keep it that way right but as the track rubbers up and changes and the heat comes i'm sure we'll start changing things to uh to get the speed back i'm really afraid that once the heat comes the track's gonna slow down um you know with it, it normally cooler, does yeah with it being cooler here now like and then you know in typical years past um you know the third or fourth race of the year is generally when the fastest lap of the year is set exactly and, you know, that's what i did that night. um looking at the weather forecast this week it's supposed to be fairly cool but it's a chance of rain right so anytime it rains it washes the track off and you generally don't run quite as fast for the next week or so and then when the summer comes in i don't think you'll if we don't get in the 12s here in the next few weeks i don't see it happening this year Fair enough. Well, folks, uh, we've got the Rocket Man, Tim Brown uh, from Tobaccoville, the 12-time Bowman Gray Stadium champion with us. And we're going to take a break. And when we come back right here on the Pit Stop, we're going to talk more about the Madhouse and the Smart Modified Tour when we come back. When I think of Mountain Valley Hospice, I think about the caring and understanding. They did so much for me and for my family, comforting me, watching a parent gradually go away. I don't know how we could have done it without them. Here at Mountain Valley, every moment matters. This should be played at high volume. Dicker's blocking his teammate, white flag this time, one to go. He's got to block two teammates to win them. of the Madhouse, and I've got the reigning champion, the 12-time champion. As we record this program 96 times, he's parked it in the Carolina Wood Forest Winter Circle. I hope that's what they still call it, over at the Madhouse. And brand new pavement this year, same old rival. Burt Myers leads the points over at the Madhouse as we record this program. But guess who? Right behind him, only 11 points behind, tied with a recent guest this program, the showstopper, Chris Fleming of Mount Airy, only 11 points behind. Tim, you know, sometimes the fans tire of it, but I never really tired of it because you and Burt Myers, if you had to do a Mount Rushmore, you heard mine, uh, you, Burt, Junior Miller, and um, trying to remember who my fourth one was, Ralph Brinkley. That's my Mount Rushmore. You two guys uh, have just been incredible over the last 25 or 30 years. Here you are again, 2023, locked in the championship battle already. Do you ever get tired of racing that guy? No. I mean, I look at it, uh, I look at it as, you know, he races for a living, right? That's what he does to feed his family and pay his bills. I work a full-time job for a living and I do this for fun, right? Uh, he is super competitive, right? He's got great equipment. He's a great driver. He's got a great crew. Um, so 
when I can beat him, I'm super proud of the accomplishments that we've had because I work a full-time job, you know, 50, 60 hours a week, and then come to the shop and work another 40 hours a week and then try to spend time with my wife and kids. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not using that as an excuse um, when I get beat, but a lot of times when I get beat, I just get beat. You know what I mean? Like I'm tired. Um, you know, I have to work and work comes before my racing, unfortunately, because that's how I pay my bills and support my family. Uh, it has gotten better with driving for Todd, uh, because now he pays the bills for me to race and, uh, you know, with Hayes jewelers and, um, traffic control, safety services and units and all the people that contribute funding for this team, uh, as partners, it's helped me a ton. So it's not the money side of it. I've always wondered what it would have been like if I could have done this for a living, right? If I could have right. just raced modifieds for a living or raced anything for a living and had the budget to do that, what if or what could have been, right? But I don't care. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, when I hang my helmet up and help Cam race, I did the absolute best I could do. I worked my guts out on it. I gave it 110%. My sponsors and crew gave it 110%. That's the best I can do. If I don't ever win another race, if I don't ever win another championship, I'm going to be proud of what I've done so far. I would agree with that. Uh, speaking of your son, uh, you and I and Bert did a, a sit-down interview, and we had to talk about the kids. And uh, you had uh, mentioned that your son uh, is uh, has quite a mechanical mind. Now we're a couple more years down the road. Uh, where is your son at in terms of uh, his interest in racing, and what are the future plans for uh, the next Mr. Brown? Well, he has a quarter midget car that we built him uh, in the off season, and he's going to start racing in Salisbury uh, down at the little concrete track that Bobby Labonte has, uh, the right. NCQMA deal. Uh, we're going to start him out in Red Rookie, but he's already tested some. I don't think he'll stay in Red Rookie long because he's he's pretty he's, he's, <laughs> he's pretty good already. So <laughs> yeah. Um, so we hope to get him moved up to blue and uh, and maybe uh, you know race him for a championship in the winter series. Um, it blows me away at how smart he is just on the car. Uh, he comes to the shop and helps me work and he'll ask me questions. He'd be like, dad, what is this? Well, that's a rotor, buddy. What's it do? Well, when I mash the brake pedal, it pushes fluid through the master cylinder, through the brake lines into the caliper and it clamps right. the pads on the rotor and that stops the car. Right. And I explain that system to him. Right. And then, you know, three days later, I'll be bleeding the brakes or something and he'll walk up and say, dad the master cylinder's low of fluid and it's like yeah buddy we're bleeding the brakes so the fluid's coming out but ah, he's smart enough to know if i that's cool that hey you need to put some brake fluid in it you know what i mean yeah so to me and see that's how i learned i learned that same stuff at that same age growing up in my grandpa's shop right and to me for me to see that and for me to just have him here uh while i'm working on a car and just being with me man it's the greatest thing in the world um i, I love cam and marley and megan more than anything in this world even more than racing uh but the experiences that i'm having with cam in the shop uh cam and marley coming to the races the race that i won a couple weeks ago was the i was first gonna time say they finally career. got to see you win yeah that that had to be a really but, special moment for you it was um and i didn't give that trophy away i kept that one <laughs> right i don't blame I all my trophies away to fans but because that one was the first time i'd won with my daughter my son and my wife there uh i was keeping that one and that one i'll cherish right so i kept the hat i kept my ticket for that night i kept everything for that night there you go special 
And, um, man, I'm just, I just so look forward. Like I'm having the best time this year, uh, racing that I've, that I've had, like, I think forever, right. Because I've got the right people on my team. I've got the right sponsors. I've got all the funding that we need and things are clicking, right. When, when you're not running good and you're not winning, it is miserable it, for me. It is miserable. Yeah, I, I can remember in 2022 when I was still there early in the season. You were you were not a happy camper at the end of the night. You were I could tell you I've known you a long time. You were very very frustrated, and you sound like a completely different guy on this program. Yeah. So, and and I'm always, I'll be honest with you, man. Like when you go a entire season and not win, even though you're leading the points and you're getting a pole here and there and you're competitive, but you don't win, right? You start doubting yourself, right? And then you start looking for excuses or looking for reasons of why you're not winning. And you have to answer questions to your sponsors and to your fans and to your family. Like, hey, what's wrong? Hell, when are you going to win? When are you going to win? I, if I knew it, I'd fix it, right? Right, yeah. Uh, and I'll be honest with you. We tore the cars down and rebuilt them just like we have for 30 years. And we come back out there this year and we're bad fast and already got, a, a couple poles and a couple wins, you know, five weeks in. So, right. you know, so yes, that was a big burden lift off my shoulders. Um, still have a lot of pressure on me to win. Uh, my sponsors expect excellence uh, right. with the money that they spend and the work yep. and effort that we put into it. I expect to win uh, every time we leave the shop. Right. So uh, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Cam puts a lot of pressure on me. Megan puts a lot of pressure on me because all the time I'm away from them at the shop working, I better be winning because that's the only thing that makes it worth it. Right. Right. Uh, so yeah, but man, I'm having a ball. Like our car's driving good. It's fast. We're winning. I just want to keep it going. You know what I mean? Another, uh, another happy moment at the madhouse recently sort of related to your family. Uh, a fellow by the name of Dan Spini, uh, put his name in the history books as a first time winner in a modified car at, the famed quarter mile. Um, what's your relationship with that deal? I know that uh, there, there's been uh, uh, some involvement with you and the Spinneys in the past. Yeah. So Dan is married to my niece, which is my brother's daughter, uh, right. Brittany. Uh, and in the Spinney family, uh, you know, I maintained their cars for a few years, years ago. Right. They housed my car in their shop uh, for a year or so. And, um, you know, I needed to get back out on my own and, and just try to focus on my cars. Um, but we still build rear ends and, uh, stocks and do all kinds of things, uh, for that team and for those guys, just because, you know, he is family now. So, uh, so it was good to see him win. Um, you know, always, uh, it's always good regardless to see someone win their first race. Oh right? yeah. Because I remember, I remember those as an announcer, probably more than anything else. When, when somebody gets that first win, that's, that's a big, big deal, especially over there. Yeah, it is. And it's really hard hard i mean it's hard to win now right it's hard to win a second race i don't care anybody can say what they want to winning a race at bowman great in a modified division now in any division now it's hard i don't give a damn if it's a second 25 lapper that they drew 16th you still have to put 25 laps together and take that's the right flag. It is, that's right you know what i mean um that's so right kudos i was i was uh, I was talking to Terry King, who I, you know, he owns Roosters Country Store, great friend of mine. Terry led 24 laps one night, and Junior Miller led the 25th lap, and he'll never forget it. Um, hey, I wanted to switch gears here for a minute and talk about the Smart Modified Tour. Uh, there will be a race uh, that will be held 
and completed after this program airs. So we're going to kind of skip over Franklin County Speedway and put our focus on Ace Speedway racing on Friday night, June the 23rd. So that means you're going to be racing Friday night and then racing Saturday night too. And then we're going to come back a really, really big event for the Smart Modified Tour and for Caraway Speedway, the annual Rusty Hart Memorial on Saturday night, July the 1st at Caraway, 50-lap Challenger Division race, a great 602 modified race of 50 laps and 99 laps for the Smart Tour. You've got a different ride this year in the Smart Tour, Tim Brown. Tell the fans about it and how's it going so far. Yeah, so I'm driving uh, for Terry Hall and Andretti Smith, the 25 car on the smart tour this year teamed up with those guys uh to go run for the championship and we haven't got off to the 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 start that we thought we would get off to uh or that we expected to get off to uh we've had some speed but we've also had uh you know just simple some bad luck uh so we're racing friday night at franklin county and hopefully we can turn that thing around and then put that thing in victory lane here soon i also have to say that uh andretti and terry and jody up and Ethan and Mark and Ben and Dennis and Randy and Mike and everybody that's involved on my race team has worked so well together. Those guys are helping me at the stadium this year. Gotcha. Uh, so we basically merged our team uh, together and putting a big okay. effort in, in both, both areas. And it's been really good. Those guys are smart, methodical. Uh, we have a plan and we follow that plan. Um, and I never, ever imagined that, uh, I've always had good people around me. Don't get me wrong, but when you get people that's been in cup racing their whole life, right? So, yeah, and, and with with Andretti and Terry and Jody and Ethan and Dwayne, like all these people that they race. I mean, they're racers, right? And in my team that's been with me for thirty years, all these guys that bust their tails, man, it's coming together, and it's a it is it, it is awesome right now. I mean, we, it is awesome. <laughs> we've got a. We've got about two minutes left here on the pit stop. I'm your host, Randy Pettit, with the reigning uh, modified champion, 12-time champion of the Madhouse, Tim Brown. And, Tim, I wanted to close um, with, with talking a little bit um, about uh, what you're doing now at Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing. I know a lot of that's proprietary information. You can't talk a lot about it. But just generically, tell the fans what you do at RFK Racing. How's it going? Yeah, so basically I'm the shop foreman at uh, rfk over the assembly side um so look after all the parts and pieces that go on the cars uh not the body stuff or paint or decal but basically everything else that goes on the car i'm over all the guys that do that and um you know we're we're, we're turning the corner you know we're, we're more competitive this year uh we're, we're going to win here soon at rfk uh brad and uh chris are doing a phenomenal job driving the cars our entire company's busting their tails and getting better and we've worked super hard to try to get our cars better and it's starting to show at work too right so um you know we should have won atlanta you know brad got yep, beat yep. in the last lap uh you know busher's been super good uh the speedway races we're really good at uh, our package is coming together we're learning more every day we're working hard engineering aero like my guys at work are awesome uh you know and that's all people right it's we, we've got the right people in the right places and and we're busting our tails and working hard to try to get better and i mean it's hard it's hard to compete with hendrick and gibbs and childress and penske and stuart haas and all that but man we're digging their heels in and we're doing the best we can and we're gonna let them know that uh that we're gonna be contenders 
Well, it's always a pleasure to catch up with with a friend, and I consider him a friend. We've uh, we've been seeing each other in Victory Lane uh, many many times over the years. And Tim Brown, it is my wish I at least see you at the podium when we get together for the annual Rusty Hart Memorial on Saturday night, July first at Caraway Speedway. Until then, best of luck uh, on the Smart Tour and over at the Madhouse. Thanks so much for coming on the program, folks. I'm your host Randy Pettit, and we'll be back in just a little bit with round two of the pit stop with our friend Bobby Meesmer Jr. And that'll be up next. When I think of Mountain Valley Hospice, I think about the caring and understanding. They did so much for me and for my family, comforting me, watching a parent gradually go away. I don't know how we could have done it without them. Here at Mountain Valley, every moment matters. 